Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, Lydia said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Please be seated. Chuck Swindoll, in uh, one of his many, many books, tells a story about a woman who is going up to the Yukon, kind of a treacherous road, or you're not a road, you know, a normal highway road. She had a Honda Civic, apparently, and uh, before she kind of got into the worst part of it, she stopped, stayed at a sort of bed and breakfast or whatever you find along the road there, and uh, woke up early in the morning to get a good start of it, and uh, having breakfast, and uh, the clerk asked her, you know, where are you going? She said she's going to Whitehorse, which is, you know, I guess a dangerous route. I don't know. And the lady, the the clerk, you know, kind of said, that's crazy, and there's two truckers that were sitting uh, nearby, and they were going that way, and and they asked her, where are you going? She said, Whitehorse. She said, there's no way you're going to go there. That's crazy. And, uh, and then one of them said, listen, and then, or no, she said, well, I got to go, you know, I'm going to make it, right? And one of the truckers said, listen, we'll hug you. And she immediately like took back, like, no, you're not touching me. And uh, one of the guys said, no, we'll have one of our trucks will go in front of you and I'll be behind you. We'll hug you right through the pass, through the difficulty there to get you there safely. And that's what they did. That's just a good, I think, little story of the Christian life in Christ. We are not alone. The Lord saves us, brings us to himself, but he puts us in a family. On our journey, no matter how treacherous this is, he gives us people to hug us. Literally, that's okay, by the way, but also, right, figuratively, to help us, to walk with us on this journey. That's not a small thing. That's what the Christian life is. And I think it's really important. Today we're going to talk about Christ's community here at St. James. What does that mean? A lot of times, I can't stand it. I hear it so often. People kind of think of Christianity as me and Jesus, right? It's me. It's nobody else's business. And I don't need to be a part of church to be a Christian. I don't need to be part of a community. I can do what I I want to. Maybe I'll go to church. Maybe I won't, you know. But I don't need to be part of a church. You You know what I mean? Like, maybe you thought. Maybe you're like this. I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to be a part of any church. That, I get where that comes from. Because we see a lot of communities that are broken. You've probably been at a church, and maybe it's this church, where you're like, are you kidding me? This is the people of God? You know what I mean? This is how it's supposed to work? Because we don't always act like Christians toward one another. We can be pretty nasty. You can find really nasty people at church. So I get where that comes from. Let me tell you. But I also tell you, you go around shopping for the perfect church and the perfect people, what are you going to find? Nothing, right? We are supposed to be together. That's how it works. God doesn't save individuals. He saves people. And he didn't come just to bring you to himself, but he came and he called you, just like he did Evelyn, into a people, into a family where we walk beside one another. We see that in today's lesson here in uh, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16. 
I love this story, and I never really noticed it till this week as I was praying and, and looking at uh, what am I going to preach on. This story is just fits so perfectly with what we're talking about here today about community. So chapter 16, verse uh, like 11 through uh, 15, if you want to take a look at that in your, in your bulletin or your Bible or whatever, don't go on your phone because I know what you're going to do when you go on your phone. Luke says, uh, Luke was with him, by the way. Paul was doing his journeys. He was going up the Mediterranean on the coast. You take a boat, you go to town after town. These are all uh, little, little, little towns, some larger than the other. You got Athens, you got Corinth, um, you got Philippi. All the names, actually, of those books, right, in your New Testament, most of those are Paul's letters to these Christians in these towns, right? And Luke, who's with Paul says that uh, they traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. So Philippi is, if you know where Athens is, you go north up the coast. It's a coastal city up into those little, the waters kind of go everywhere. Greece is basically a bunch of uh, cool islands. And so they're there in Philippi, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate. So it's also a, a Roman colony. It's not a Jewish place. There's probably not a lot of Jewish people. There are probably some, okay? But this is overall what you'd say a Gentile area, okay? But there was enough of Jewish people that they had a little synagogue, Okay, they had a meeting place where they would gather on a Saturday and read from the Torah, the Old Testament, and pray, right? Not Christian. They probably don't know anything about Jesus yet. They may not even have heard about him yet. So they go to this place because Paul was going from synagogue to synagogue as a Jew. He was a Jewish leader, by the way, right, before he met Jesus. And he was going from synagogue to synagogue to tell them that their wait is over. That the Messiah that they were praying about, that they were reading about in the Old Testament, had come. And to, quite frankly, argue that this guy on a cross, which really didn't fit the description that the Jews wanted for a Messiah, that he was the one. That that cross was their life. That they were forgiven in Christ. That he had conquered death. There was hope and there was peace. And so Paul was going around to the synagogue to tell and, to, quite frankly, debate, to convince, to persuade his fellow Jewish people that the Messiah had come, that hope had come, that peace had come. So here he is going to Philippi, and he's going out to this area where he knew they gathered, and a place of prayer, as it's called. That's also another name for synagogue. And, he's, and Luke says, we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. So they're starting to gather on Saturday morning. And we sat down and began to speak. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who is a worshiper of God. This in of itself is kind of fascinating to me. Despite the propaganda of Discovery Channel and the History Channel, women had opportunities back then. <laughs> The fact that she's mentioned here, this woman's a businesswoman. She owns a company. It's, this doesn't mean she's in her little house making little crocheted uh, things to put pots on, potholders. She has a business. 
She has people underneath her. She is known, in fact. She's got this name, right? Lydia's Purple Goods. I don't know. But it's a big deal, right? She is known in the area, right? Does that kill all your ridiculously uneducated opinions about Greco-Roman times, let alone the Jewish world, let alone the Bible? And Luke doesn't say, oh my goodness, a woman's in charge of the, of, this is crazy. He doesn't mention this because it's not crazy to him. So here she is. She's one of these ladies. She's Greek. She's Gentile. She's not Jewish. She's a worshiper of God. That phrase literally means she's not Jewish, but she's come to enjoy the Torah, the Old Testament, and she's been going to synagogue. That happened back then. So whenever you see that New Testament says worshiper of God or God-fearing Gentile, that's what it means. They might not have heard about Jesus either, but they've come to believe in the Torah and the Old Testament. Make sense? So here she is with them. And look what happens. So much to learn. Just these couple of sentences about theology, about how God works. Verse 15, verse 14. This woman, Lydia, the... uh, She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. This is how God works. This is why preaching the good news is so important. It's why you sharing about Christ is the only way you're going to bring hope and peace to your neighbor. It's through his words. And... It doesn't say, Lydia thought about both sides, weighed them intellectually, and made a decision to believe. How did she come to believe that Jesus was the Christ? What does it say? The Lord opened her heart. That's how it works. Now, he did it through the message Paul was preaching. That doesn't mean we don't do anything. You don't just sit around and wait. You tell people the good news as if it's true. God died, risen. Jesus loves you. Speak about it to others. And through those words, by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is how it works. You're here. Evelyn's here because God brought us here. He's the one that makes Christians. And what's beautiful about that is, is that it's not up to you. That we are so lost in sin, we would never understand. Lydia would never come to faith in Christ. That's how we all are, just like Evelyn. Little babies that God literally needs to pick up, open our hearts, so that we may see his love in Jesus. And that's what happened to Lydia. Now, this is where I want you to go here. Look at her response. Immediately, as she sees God for the first time in Jesus... She thinks community. And the first thing she does, because this woman is large and she is in charge. She's a leader. Look at this. She immediately says, you know what? Jesus is awesome and you're all going to be baptized. You notice this? No questions. She doesn't like, she doesn't go from child to child. I want you to think about this. And when you, when you grow up and decide to follow Jesus, then we'll have you baptized. No, 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 no. Not for Lydia. Not for Lydia, because this is too awesome. It's like a free gift of peace, of hope, of forgiveness, all these things. She's not going to wait for her child to decide to follow Jesus. She's going to get him baptized. She's going to give this kid the gift. And so Paul, Luke says this, when she and the members of her household were baptized, it's like, boom, that's what Lydia did. 
came to faith and she gave it to everybody else. If you were in her house, and quite frankly, household does not mean just kids. Workers, servants, the whole business, GM, everybody, you're all baptized. That's called good business leadership by Lydia's sake. And it's not because she's forcing them. It's not like you need to think like I think. No. She's just been given a million zillion dollars by God. And she wants everybody to have that. If you're going to live in my house, you're going to be baptized. And you're going to believe in Jesus because he's everything and he's hope and he's peace. And we all need this. The first thing God does, he opens our hearts and then he opens our eyes to see other people. And the first thing she does, she wants to give this gift to others. And notice again, who's in charge here? There is no husband. I would suggest this woman is a single woman with kids. Maybe dad died, maybe he left, maybe she's divorced. But she's in charge. She has responsibilities and she executes them well. Amen? Then she goes beyond this. She looks at Paul and all the guys that are there. And she extends that community to them. She doesn't just think, oh, me and Jesus, I'm going to keep this to myself. It's private. Religion's a private matter. No, she makes sure her kids, her household, her whole company's baptized and knows the hope and peace of Christ. And now she looks at these two and she says, if you consider me a believer in the Lord... Come and stay with my house. In other words, I dare you not to stay at my house. (laughs) But the fact that if you don't stay at my house, you're saying I'm not a sister in Christ. And I love this. Look at so so the first thing she thinks of, I want to share my house, my home, my goods with you. Because we are a family. And I'll tell you what, I wonder if Lydia knows what a broken family looks like. And now she sees a whole family. Made, pasted together by God. Is that St. James? It is. That's the church. In a broken world full of broken relationships and broken families. This is a place not only where you're healed between you and God, as your sins are forgiven, as you find that the Lord has erased your past and given you life, but it's also a place where hopefully relationships are healed and you find a family and you find brothers and sisters in Christ from all walks of life. Lydia was a Gentile woman, single mom. These guys are Jewish men and God brings them together. He destroys the barrier that was in there by society. By themselves. What am I talking? There's no such thing as society. There's you and being responsible for your own actions. There's no such thing as society. And God makes community. And look at this. I love this. Do you know someone like this? She not only says this. Look what Luke says at the last verse, last part of verse 15. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us to do it. Can you just see her? Right? Not taking no for an answer. Not because she's some jerk. Not because she's trying to force herself on them and make them. No. She wants to share. She loves them. And if there's a barrier between us, she wants to break it down. you got to stay here. I want to take care of you. And they stayed there. That's the Christian life. It's not you and Jesus. It's you and Jesus and Jesus' buddies. And he's got tons of them. And they're not all well kept, by the way. (laughs) Jesus usually shows up. When you invite Jesus in your life, he comes with a lot of people. 
and they're not like you, <laughs> and they're not, I don't know, the cleanest, or they don't like the same music you do, man, and they're Gentile, they're, who knows what their last life is, but you invite Jesus in your life, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, he brings people, always, and don't you dare throw them out and say, oh, I just want you, Jesus, you persuade them to stay with you. This world is broken. This world is busted. This world is full of dysfunction and separation. We live in a city jam-packed full of people, and there's just as many lonely people, scared people, people who think they have enemies all around them, people scared to go out, people afraid of relationships as they've been hurt before. And that's what sin does. And our sins do, right? When you sin and you screw up, you feel ashamed. And that's good. Shame is good. But it's not the end. It's not the last word. Because Christ has taken away that shame and forgives us. But shame causes us to separate from one another, doesn't it? And our fears. And the devil wants people to think you're all a bunch of freaks. And no one would love you, let alone God. He does. And no one has problems like you have problems. And we live in a world, not only does sin separate us, but we live in a world that's so overly politicized. God forbid you can have a conversation with somebody and not talk about your political views and draw lines in the sand, right? It's insane. Politics is such a lowly thing. It's most, one of the most least important things in your life. And yet in America, we've made it the only thing that matters. Who cares? What's your neighbor doing? Literally next to you. Who are they? How can you help them? As St. James, we are called to be a Lydia community where we persuade people that we break down barriers. And we do that well at St. James. By the way, one of the first things I witness is you people like to party. And that's awesome. <laughs> and that's great. A natural community going on here. Absolutely. I want to see us in the next couple of years be more intentional to understand that community is not just, it is indeed the natural thing that happens when you are one with Christ, when God loves you, you share it, absolutely. But we need to have processes that make it more intentional so we don't just let things happen, but we make sure that we're seeing people who are alone in our pews. When we see people of a different stripe or whatever, that we make sure we break down those barriers. We need to do a better job of this, and the elders and I are working on developing a little committee there and a chair of fellowship or, or community who will execute this, who will make sure that visitors are loved and welcome, that everybody knows kind of what's going on. Does that make sense? We need to do a better job of this, let alone, yes, we can probably throw more parties. I know that's what you want. <laughs> those are good things. We think, they're, we think that, well, it's just St. James. No, it's awesome to party. To eat and to drink and be merry with brothers and sisters in Christ. Not too much. Watch what you're doing. I get that. Don't be a glutton. But to hang out and have a meal together, that is fellowship. Just like Lydia does there, right? You're going to come into my house. I'm going to serve you a great dinner. That is what Christians do. And this grateful living time, that's what I'm calling you to do. To participate both in your time, your treasure, with your house, inviting and persuading others, allowing you to take care of them, but also financially. That's what it is. It is basically sharing. It's being part of this community. It's being committed and loyal to one another as God has been loyal and committed to us because this world needs this kind of community here. 
they need to, people out there need to know a hug and they need to have that love and to be invited as a guest. I promise you that. May the Lord continue to do that here at St. James. And whenever you are scared or whenever you think it doesn't work, you just look to that cross where God sacrificed everything to bring you into his family. Right? Isn't that awesome? And he calls us to do the same for others. In Jesus' name, amen.